Hi, welcome to Podcast 46, brought to you by Help with Parkinson's, a nonprofit corporation. Our guest today is Dr. Subramanian, movement disorder specialist from Hershey Medical Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I'm your host, Warren Butfinick. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sue. Hello. Glad you can make it. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. So we're going to continue on our summer ideas since uh, people are more active in the summer. And uh, one thing I noticed is not everybody looks, looks ahead when they try a new sport or something they haven't done in a long time. And when you have Parkinson's, it's not exactly the same as it was before. So, uh, Dr. Sue, could you go over a few of the, the highlights and then I'll come in and ask a few questions? Yes. So the point is, and I think the important bottom line is, uh, if you have Parkinson's disease and you want to uh, get into a new sport of some kind, a new hobby, something that requires and demands physical coordination, then you need rehearsal or practice. And you need to practice quite a bit before you actually take it up. Some examples are, uh, for, exa- uh, for, for, uh, for the lack of uh, better examples, roller skating or learning to ride a bicycle if you have never rode a bicycle before or um, skiing or that type of uh, sports activities which require um, hand-eye body coordination. Um, this is a task that requires dopamine. So we went over this example before in a previous podcast, but it's worth mentioning that uh, when you are a 15-year-old, when you are trying to learn to drive, uh, you always worry about, okay, am I going to be steering the vehicle, your car well, and whether I'm going to put the brake on the right time? Am I going to uh, stop at the stop sign, et cetera? And your driver, instructor, whoever was teaching you, whether it's your parent or a professional teacher, they taught you all the rules, And at the time when you were learning, it was uh, very stressful. But once you learned and got your license, and within a few months, sometimes within a year or so, uh, you are driving and you are enjoying the scenery and you're able to hold a conversation with the passenger without actually thinking about driving. And that ability to turn a complex motor task into a sort of a habit, something that you can do without thinking, is called executive function. Now, this executive function is applicable not just to driving. It's also applicable to uh, sports, like, for example, rollerblading or baseball or golf or um, hunting or fishing, Uh, any task that requires you to have coordination and a complex motor task is rehearsed and you can execute it without having to think about it. Now, when you already have done this for many years, that task itself becomes very hard to do when you, are Parkinson's, when you have Parkinson's disease. And the reason is the hormone dopamine in the brain is required for you to execute things without thought. So even simple things such as uh, playing a musical instrument that you have been playing for many years becomes very hard for you to do because... Um, that dopamine is not there for you to be able to execute things very easily. Things that you were so easy for you to do before, it becomes harder for you to do. So the point is, in the summer, if you're planning to learn a new skill, whatever that might be, sports, uh, swimming, kayaking, um, fishing, golf, whatever, 
then as a patient with Parkinson's disease, you need to have more rehearsal, more practice. And you should definitely not jump into it without any kind of rehearsal because your body and your brain will not be able to make the adjustments that you thought you might be able to do. And this puts you at risk for serious injury. And the serious injury can set you back by many years. For example, if you tried to do rollerblading without proper practice and you actually fell and broke your hip or broke your wrist or something, that could be quite disastrous. Uh, Similarly, if you decide to uh, do rock climbing or one of these other more adventurous sports, this would make it very hard uh, if you actually injure yourself uh, in the process of trying to do this. So it's not like you can do it. You should be able to do it, but you just need to practice, rehearse, and rehearse again and go with somebody and become completely well-trained before you actually go and do it on your own. So uh, the, the, the message or the underlying message is, yes, Parkinson's patients can do anything they want to do. If they are well-controlled in the medication, they're compliant, and they're doing all the things that the doctor tells them to do, you should be able to do it. However, the important caveat is you have to rehearse and practice and in, before you take up a new task. And even tasks that you already know, for example, dancing. You haven't danced for many years. When you were younger, you used to dance frequently, but now you want to take up dancing because there's good literature saying that dancing may help Parkinson's disease. We can't jump and start dancing the next day. You need to go back and practice it and rehearse it. And once you get back to your groove and you're able to do it well, then you should be able to dance again. But jumping in after not dancing for 10 or 15 years or even 20 years and suddenly saying, I'm going to start dancing again, that's just calling for trouble. So, Warren, you have other thoughts? Yeah, on the, um, the walking a straight line that you, you recommend for everybody to get their executive function back. Yes. Would, would you add on to that? If you want to add on, let's say roller skating, or would roller skating replace that? No, I think um, those are two very related, but not exactly the same. They're sort of um, complementary. So the idea of walking the straight line, so let's just go over that. The idea is that you draw a line, which is about 30 feet long, and you walk tandem, one foot in front of the other on that line, just like when a cop calls you uh, over to check you for drunk driving, that same thing you do. And you walk that line 50 times. So the idea is that you walk the straight line back and forth, back and forth continuously for 1,500 feet. Now, the reason why this has been found to be helpful in Parkinson patients is that um, the part of the brain, which we call the cerebellum, uh, helps you coordinate your movement. And that particular cerebellar function is somewhat compromised in Parkinson's disease And by rehearsal, by practice, you will be able to restore the programming so that you can walk a straight line without having to take the risk of um, falling. Now, you might say, why should I do that? Because I never will, in reality, ever walk the straight line. That is true. Most people don't walk the straight line unless the cop pulled you over or if you're doing it for recreation. You know, somebody just doing it for fun might might do it. But on the other hand, if you practice that uh, task, again and again and again. And typically I ask people to do this for at least six months every day, do this walking. What it does is that it prepares your brain for any kind of um, 
imbalance that you may experience in day-to-day life. An example of that is uh, when you trip on a piece of carpet or when you uh, accidentally forget uh, that there was a step in the house. There was a little um, ladder, step ladder that you accidentally took a misstep. Or if there was some uh, liquid on the floor that makes you slippery and you just missed your step because you had a little slip. In normal, healthy people who don't have Parkinson's, because their cerebellum is functioning well, you're able to overcome that particular mishap from um, uh, falling down because your brain is able to make the adjustments. Now, in Parkinson's disease, your ability to make adjustments when you slip or misstep or get your feet caught on a piece of carpet or something like that is impaired. So rehearsing and practicing the walking the straight line business will allow you to overcome the risk of falling. Now, what Warren was bringing up is, how about if you wanted to take a new sports, for example, you want to go rollerblading. And you say, well, I haven't done rollerblading since I was a child, but I like to do it now because let's say, for example, your grandchild is doing it and you want to go with your grandchild and do it with the grandchild. Well, you will have to practice it. You'll have to rehearse it. So in other words, oh, I did it 30 years ago. I want to do it again. No, I can't just jump in and say, I want to do it again. You're going to have to put the rollerblades on and go with somebody, an instructor or somebody, and just take some time to practice it um, several times until you get your groove back. And that might take much longer than what you did when you were a young person or a young child because, again, your executive function is not that great. And unless you rehearse it sufficiently and gain your confidence, you don't want to take the risk of going and doing this and then falling down. So, yes, you could do it on a daily basis. You can add on, um, in addition to your walk the straight line, you say, oh, I'm also going to practice rollerblading or whatever, whatever the sport that you want to do, and rehearse it for at least a month or two um, on a daily basis, getting your groove back, being able to do it well. Or if it's a new sport that you have never done, then obviously you need to do a little longer um, and practice it a little longer, typically about three to four months, and then say, okay, I have the confidence and go ahead and do it. Sounds good. And then something just uh, came to me with the, since we're talking this. What if uh, in your own house you did a circuit let's say for an hour, walking through your whole house, mm-hmm. would, would that help you with uh, freezing or having trouble getting around certain, certain spots in your house? Well, certainly. I think um, we, we, we mentioned um, visual spatial cues. So right. uh, examples are drawing lines and uh, having a laser pointer, etc. So in your house, if you had visual cues that you put on the wall and you use them as your mnemonic to get around the house. Certainly, that's something you can you can do. Um, I have some individuals who put um, familiar sceneries. You know, for example, I have a gentleman who has a room uh, which has a very narrow entranceway, and every time he comes to this narrow entranceway, he freezes and he has difficulty going in, and he also has difficulty coming out. So one solution he found was to uh, put a very big decorative piece um, on the other end of the doorway. So when he enters the doorway, he actually sees on the opposite wall a big 
uh, scenic display. The display looks like a scenery up on the outside, like a big mountain with uh, beautiful flowers and, um, you know, like a scenic view. It's, it's artificial, but uh, it gives you a visual sensation as if you're looking out a large window. So the room looked all of a sudden much bigger than what it looked when you didn't have that display there. So once you put it in there, he was able to overcome the freezing because to him, the room looks much bigger than what it used to when he didn't have that beautiful display that he was able to right. put in there. So this is a, these kind of tricks can be done. And um, walking and making the circuit happen, like you go around the house and look for places where you're getting freezing. And those places, you put some uh, visual spatial cues that allows you to overcome them certainly can be done to overcome freezing. But what if you did it for, let's say, 20 minutes? Like you would do like the, the line walking or half hour. So to rehearse it, you mean, practicing it. Right. You just keep, keep going. Instead of on the line, you continue that, but you would just go through your whole house. Would that give you the, mm-hmm. um, the, mem- the memory of? Uh... Uh, no. So the, so the line thing has to be the line thing, unfortunately. Right. You can't replace it with something else. But you can add on if you wish. You know, right. so you want to add on um, beyond the line, uh, working the line thing. You say, okay, I want to do this other thing too. Sure, you can do it. I mean, any kind of that type of rehearsal, repeatedly doing right. the same thing, will only make you uh, much more capable of overcoming your um, executive dysfunction. So it is possible to help yourself through your house if you give yourself a half hour a day just doing a circuit. Sure. I mean, uh, certainly any kind of rehearsal, whether it's walking around right. the house or some other thing, would certainly help you. Yes. That's interesting. So that's, that's some. You don't even hear people talk about that that much. Mm-hmm. Doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there any sports that you would say, if you haven't mastered them by the time you get your Parkinson's, you should just stay away from them? Like skiing or anything like that? Do you think it's... I, I, I mean, I, I can... Among my clients, I can tell you a lot of people do... A um, lot of uh, sports. The popular things I will tell you, uh, one popular thing obviously in this area is golfing. So a lot of people like to do golfing and they even make trips down to the south to do golfing during the winter. Um, personally, I think golfing is perfectly fine. Um, important things to remember about golfing is that most people like to golf first thing in the morning. And as we have discussed many, many times, uh, early morning is not the best time for Parkinson's disease to patients to do anything because they are deprived of their dopamine and overnight they didn't take much dopamine at all. In fact, they didn't take any and their dosing of first dose of medicine just kicks in within half an hour, 45 minutes after they took their first dose of pill. So golfing early in the morning is not the best thing to do. Um, if you are able to do golf later in the afternoon or in the evening, um, that would be the ideal thing to do. But of course, most people like to go golf very early in the morning before even the, you know, the heat of the day uh, comes through. That's what they want to do. Now, if you really want to do that, you want to go first thing in the morning, you may want to get up a little earlier and take your dose of medicines a little bit earlier. So for example, uh, if your normal dosing is 6, 10, 2, and 6, on the day that you are going on for a golf trip, you may want to get up a little earlier and wake up four hours before your six o'clock dose and take your medicine on that particular day and do it that way. Alternatively, you may want to talk to your doctor and say, you know, I golf, you know, two times a week. 
Uh, is there anything you can do to help me uh, get jumpstart first thing in the morning so that I can go and play my golf? Um, I have one individual who uh, takes apomorphin injections um, an hour before this individual goes for golfing uh, on the couple of days of the week that uh, this person actually uh, uh, plays golf. This individual is um, a senior pro. Um, so this individual plays golf in the, uh, in the senior circuit and um, is quite good. Uh, handicap is uh, remarkable. And uh, this individual has been doing golfing for 50 years. So um, I say, okay, whatever it takes for you to keep golfing, I'm, I'm going to help you. And uh, amazingly, uh, this person actually golfs at least 50 times in a, in a, in a year mm-hmm. and uh, keeps doing it. And this individual has had Parkinson's disease for 22 years. Um, so it's possible. And, and it's not, not something that they can't do. But on the other hand, if you're going to take up golfing for the first time, you never learned golfing and you're going to do this for the first time, I certainly would um, encourage you to rehearse practice um, go for some lessons um, and become proficient in it. Although golf is not so rambunctious as some of the other sports that we talked about, it still requires hand-eye coordination. And the last thing you want to do is to fall uh, while you are in a very um, terrain where you don't have any kind of help. You know, and that, that, that would not be fun. Plus, golfing does require a lot of walking. And uh, again, it can be quite tiring if you're not rehearsed and practiced on doing that. Another sport that I see uh, many people come to me and talk about in this area in, in Northeast uh, or Central Pennsylvania is that um, of hunting. People like uh, their hunting and the during hunting season, they want to go and they're worried about their tremor interfering. Again, the issue is practice rehearsal and you choosing the right time to go for these tasks. If you're going to be hunting first thing in the morning, it's not the best thing. And again, I know that's not what people want to hear because they like to go very early and they like to set up their uh, places where they want to do their hunting. And, um, and there's a lot of rituals associated with it. Um, but needless to say, from a doctor's standpoint of view, from a physician's standpoint of view, optimizing your motor skills uh, while you are at its best would be the right thing to do. So um, I've had some people who do real adventure sport yeah, I even had one, one of my patients' um, dream was to climb the tallest mountain in North America, Mount McKinley, uh, or what we call Denali, in uh, Alaska. This individual's dream was to do that. And um, unfortunately, this individual had a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease at the age of 46. And um, I said, okay, well, if that's what you want to do, I'll help you. So we optimized medications. This individual practiced for five years, rigorous um, mountain climbing exercises with, uh, with a coach. And uh, this individual climbed uh, Mount Denali and took a picture from there, sent it to me. I still have it in my office of this individual who climbed uh, Mount McKinley after uh, having a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. It's doable. So I don't think anything is out of the realm of possibility, but you do need to rehearse. And you have to rehearse for you know, considerable time, much more than what a normal individual will have to do. You'll have to rehearse and practice before you can do anything. Now, did you see that patient during the rehearsals? Did, did he improve in other ways since he was in good shape? 
Of course. Um, obviously, the motivation to do something like that was enormous. Uh, the motivation also made this individual highly compliant with everything that I told him to do. Uh, medication was right on t- schedule, right on time. Uh, exercises were executed. Every preparation camp that uh, this individual had to go to, um, he had to go to Utah for doing some uh, month-long um, exercises uh, where they would practice how to climb mountains and how to tie knots and whatever it, it required to do these things. And um, his family was super supportive. His wife would go along with him. And um, at the end of the day, it was a matter of uh, human will and practice to um, overcome any other impediments from doing it. And uh, it certainly helped him be a fantastic patient. I still see this individual. Uh, He still comes to see me and uh, he's still doing really well. This is now year number... 16 or 17 that I've been caring for him. Um, Still doing fantastic. Uh, So I think it's doable. Uh, It's possible. So so a way, I guess, you can look at this practicing is like singing or or a musical instrument. Absolutely. Where you would never expect to play it correctly the first time. Absolutely. So, but the difference is if these sports, it's dangerous. If you're just practicing music, it's not dangerous. Yes, I agree. So I think that's the point. Or dancing, for example, would be the equivalent of an artistic equivalent of sports. So all of a sudden you say, oh, I want to learn tango because I saw this paper that says tango is a very good form of exercise. You can't start doing tango tomorrow and say, I'm going to be a great tango dancer. You can try, but I think there's a lot of risk that you would actually fall and hurt yourself by trying to do tango. Um, So... Uh, just like that, any other dance form or any other physical um, rollerblading is an example, roller skating is another example, um, motorcycle riding is another example, um, paragliding, whatever. Some some of the extreme sports are another example. So, mm-hmm. or kayaking. You brought up the example of which requires a lot of coordination and uh, physical coordination of your body and and how you maintain the. Um, you know, boat in its, uh, the kayak in its proper position, all of those things, you know, requires um, mind, brain, body, and hand coordination, which, which is where we, we're talking about this dopamine being required. And rehearsal and practice will make you um, do it well. And obviously choosing the right time to do the exercise, you know, having an optimal amount of dopamine in your body, and taking your medications correctly would be critical and necessary. Do you think that a dopamine pump would solve a lot of these issues about starting off in the morning and things like that? If, if they developed it? Not dopamine? really. I mean, uh, the current method in which we're giving the dopamine uh, is still um, dependent on doing it first thing in the morning, in the night. So even the current duopa that we have uh, doesn't allow you to get it overnight when you are sleeping. Okay. So people say, let's do DBS. That still doesn't solve the problem. Having DBS doesn't solve the problem of early morning akinesia or slowness. Uh, in most patients, most DBS patients, they actually have to still depend on their morning dose of dopamine right. uh, in the form of levodopa to give, give them a little kickstart in the morning. So um, really timing is the key thing. If you time it well and you give sufficient practice and rehearsal, then I think 
everything will fall in place. Good. Okay. And uh, so the main thing is to to practice more than a, a person without Parkinson's. Absolutely. Just understand that that's the way it is. You can't can't change it, but you don't have to give up your hobbies. Yes. But you have to allow for extra extra work. Correct. Extra so, focus. Right. So but, yeah. if you think of doing something, number one, discuss it with your doctor and make sure that the doctor is aware of what you're trying to do. If you get a negative opinion, don't take that as a no. Seek a second opinion. Come and see a movement disorder specialist and ask them, okay, can I do this or that? Because the general bias in the field is that uh, Parkinson's patients can't do certain things and can't do this and that, can't do that. And that that may be a, a sign of caution. It may also be a sign of some misconceptions that people have about the disease. So, um, but bottom line is you don't want to jump into it and then get into trouble. Right. And uh, at these meetings I go to, everybody keeps talking about rock steady boxing. Mm-hmm. Kind of ties into what we're doing. It, but it's not it's not customized for the patient. Correct. And um, in your opinion, you think if it's better to have a, something that you as an individual enjoy doing instead of a group exercise or just be an addition to that? As we have discussed before, I think rock steady boxing has enormous value in the fact that you are with the group of peers. And when you're do, doing it with a group of peers, then there is a social uh, benefit that you get for doing things together. Uh, there is camaraderie, there is group dynamics, there is uh, encouragement that you get from others in the group. Uh, there's a general um, general feeling of wellness when you are uh, among other people with similar illnesses. And there is a motivational factor that works together when we're doing group exercises. So all of those are good things. But on the other hand, uh, it is not uh, optimized for rehearsal, which is what we're trying to emphasize. Doing the same thing again and again and again, that's what's most helpful for Parkinson's disease. Secondly, making sure that you do it in the right time when you're optimally uh, medicated is critical and necessary. So first thing in the morning, you're not optimally medicated. So this is not the best time to do any kind of competitive or uh, heavy exercise, physical exercise that require a lot of body uh, movements and so on and coordination. So it's better to do it later in the afternoon when your medications are optimal. Um, And doing the same exercise repeatedly on a daily basis is far superior to doing a variety of different exercises that you vary every day. Uh, That's unique about Parkinson's disease. So if you're going to learn a new sport or new skill, do it every day, practice it every day, uh, start with small small aliquots of it and then build up. Uh, Do it with a coach or somebody who can really teach you how to do it correctly without hurting yourself. And do it for a longer period of time until you become really proficient. Uh, then you start doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. Um, could you think of any other uh, summer sports? That... Well, I think the, the rest of the sports are sports that most of most um, uh, people have already tried, like you know baseball, and you know often they uh, grandparents want to do softball or baseball with their grandchild um, or their youngsters, they want to pay, play a little bit of sports with them. Um, occasionally they ask me about soccer 
although not very commonly in this part of the country. Uh, sometimes they ask me. Um, I have some immigrant families who are very soccer, uh, soccer um, in their culture is very, very common. So they want to, as an older individual, want to play soccer. Uh, these are hard things to do. And if you have never done it before, or you haven't done it for 30 or 40 years, but you did it as a child or as a young person, and now you all of a sudden you want to jump back into it, you do need to rehearse. You do need to get your skills back. Uh, it's not something that you can go back and say, oh, I did it many years ago. I should be able to do it again. Uh, and I think if you just um, jump into it, uh, you're likely to hurt yourself. I think you need to rehearse it. You need to practice it. Right. Once you do and practice, I think you'll be just fine. And another thing is, I could be guilty of this when I had trouble with throwing a baseball and things like that, where I was also, I was usually pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. I realized it was from the Parkinson's. And after I got medicated and time passed, I never went back to it mm. because I just figured in the back of my mind, I just, I figured I can't do it. But after hearing this discussion today, if I spent time, I could actually get back to an old habit. Yeah. I think if you rehearse, practice it, you certainly be able to do it. Right. Uh, so it's a matter of um, spending the time and dedicating the time to do it and don't jump into it right away. I mean, right. you do it in small aliquots, build it up. Just like you did when you started learning how to throw the baseball. You have to go back and do it again. Right. It was hours. Yes. Yeah. So, so the thing to remember is you don't have to give, give up anything. You just have to spend a lot of time getting it back. Right. Rehearsing is the key right. word. Which is interesting because these are things that you don't really hear on, on programs about Parkinson's. Yeah. So I'm glad we, we get a chance to do this. And, you know, if people can give us some feedback and, you know, that they enjoy this really make us feel better. Yep, absolutely. That would be great. Okay, so I guess that's it for today. Yep, have a great weekend, everybody. Um, and thanks again, Warren, for having me on the program. Thank you. Have a good day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.